Welcome back to Conversations with Kay, the podcast. This is a continuation of episode one, COVID-19, Politics and Race with Tamika Wilkerson. Let's jump back into it. But we're going to switch gears and talk about race in America. How do you feel as a black woman and as a black mother in today's society? Hmm. Well, as a mother, I, uh, I'm nervous for my daughter. Um, I am. Um, I believe if they don't change the different way of policing, then our community may see more, um, Eric Gardner's, Michael Brown, Michael Brown and, um, George Floyd. Yes. We'll see more people like that. And it saddens me. Um, because our kids have so much potential to be anything. And just because of the color of their skin, their profile, to be something else. And I think it just should be some type of classes they take to learn more about our culture, our children, our society as a whole. Because if it don't happen, we're going to lose more of our children and our brothers and sisters in America. Because if you think about it, guys, you look at all those videos, it seems as though the police may be scared of our brothers and sisters and our children, which they shouldn't, especially when they're complying to whatever they ask them to do. And... That just baffles me as an individual, being black, knowing that the same thing can potentially happen to me. What if one day I'm driving home and they're looking for a black female suspect driving a black SUV? I drive a black SUV. I'm a black female. And they stop me. And I say I'm not that person, but you continue to probe me because you're looking for someone that looks like me and is driving what I'm driving. Who to say something wouldn't happen to me? Mm. Mm -hmm. That's the type of fear as an African American I live with on a daily basis. And I live with when my daughter walks out of the house alone driving because you never know what may occur or what could happen that's why you gotta say your prayers every day you gotta say your prayers before leaving the house and believe that God will cover you and keep you 
through any circumstance. Mm -hmm. And he will protect you and block those things that come up against you to harm you or destroy you. So that's just my take on it. And I'm going to go a little deeper on this. I'm going to go deep. (laughs) Okay. Go deep in. My perspective of how things are the way they are now, it's all stem from initially when African Americans were brought over here to America. Africans. We were, well, yeah, Africans. They weren't Americans then. Um, we, the way the, the Africans were treated and felt to be less than. And it took them Africans and African Americans, they became Americans, so long to get to where we are right now. But we were less than individuals in society. And other races thought of us that way. Now we have become president. We had an African-American president. We have African-American CEOs, directors, all types of positions, doctors, lawyers, everything. We're doing well. A lot of African Americans are doing well. Doing well than some other races. People in other races. And I think it it comes back to wanting to have that control over us. To put your hand on us. We still got control. You don't have control. I don't care how much money you get, what you get, where you go, and what you do. We still control things. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like that mentality of that type of racism is rising back up. You know why? I think it started rising back up when we had our African-American president. Because mm-hmm. at that point, black people believe they can do anything and become anything they want to become. Mm. Once we saw a president, black president, man, I, you think you can soar then. Because you know what my grandfather, same grandfather that taught me to vote and what party to vote in for, excuse me, told me, because we used to talk about politics a lot. Mm -hmm. And I I said, Papa, I call him Papa, not grandfather. I said, Papa, do you think we'll ever have a black president? Papa said, you'll never see a black president. I said, why do you think that, Papa? He said they would never let us have a black president. And before my papa died, I turned on the TV in my grandparents' room. And I said, look, grandma and papa, we have a black president. And they both looked at that TV and smiled. And that's a moment I can never get back. And that moment, and when Barack Obama took that oath at that point I just felt like we made it as a black race mm-hmm. we made it and now he has paved the way for all our kids to believe that they can be anything that they want and strive to be that regardless of the color of their skin 
And I think when we got that power, society, that mentality start hitting. Oh, no, they're not going to believe that way. Oh, no, there will never be another black president. And I'm going to show them there will never be another. And that mentality started trickling down. It started doing Obama when he was the president. They started doing that. And I said, did, I told one of my coworkers, I said, did an email go out that I missed saying that now we to start beating up on black people? Is that, is that what's going on now? Is that what we, did I miss out on something? Did I miss something along the way? I felt that way. Because it was so happening so rapidly. And I didn't understand it. Yeah, you can say now we have social media. But we had social media out there for a while. Mm-hmm. And we had these phones that could record stuff for a while. And we really didn't see it a whole lot until he became president. Because mm-hmm. it was almost like these niggas <laughs> think. They about to rise up, level up. Oh, no. I'm putting my foot back on them to control. And that's just my thought. I may be wrong. That's just a thought I have. Yeah, I may have come to a point in my life, but the, the and I'm going to say this, the climate on my job is not the climate what we see now in America. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's not like that, and and I would never portray the people that I work with on a daily basis as those type of people. I different races, different people. I have worked hand in hand together and loved it, loved them like my brothers and sisters. You know, I and I grew up. To love everybody. That's the way I was taught. To love everybody. And treat everybody the same. Mm -hmm. And schools I went to. Honestly was majority Caucasians. And I. My mom and grandmother. They did domestic work. And they worked for Caucasian people. And them Caucasian people loved them to death. Lord have mercy, and they loved us, all of us. And that's how I grew up. As an individual, and knowing how everybody loved everybody, regardless of your race. Well, <laughs> that was a lot. And yeah, I know it. yeah, it was. It was, it was. It's a lot to take in. I mean, you said so many good things. Oh, man. Man, let's just take a moment. Take a moment to digest. Oh, my gosh. What are we digesting? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was just so much. You said so much. Like, I don't even know. Well, ask me the question. Ask me the question. Don't say the what, 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 part. What, what question? Women. How do I feel? Ask me that. Okay. I'm going to answer. How do you feel as a black woman? And <laughs> I'm not a black mother. Don't say that. How do you feel? Um, what's living in today's society? How do you feel as a 
African American woman? Um, for me, I'm honestly, I don't know. I'm like scared, but I'm also desensitized, you know? Like when I saw George Floyd's name and I saw the video, I was really desensitized because over the past few years, we have watched countless videos of African-American men and women being killed or confronted by police. So I was kind of desensitized by it. I was outraged, but at the same time, that outrage did not come until later, you know? But how I feel now is I'm terrified, man. Like, these people are getting hung. African Americans are getting hung in trees in different states. And it's like, they nobody saying they committed suicide. Yeah, and nobody is saying anything about it. And that's that's killing me because I'm like, man, what if we go out at night and we go to get ice? Yes, we <laughs> eat ice. We go Crunch and we, ice. Yes, we go and we get some ice at night. And then we have a bunch of white men following us trying to hang us. Like, Cause you just never know. And then what's also killing me is like the fact that nobody, they're not convicting these officers. They're charging them, but we have yet to get to the trial and get to a conviction. And with Breonna Taylor, they haven't even charged the officers involved in that. If you don't know who Breonna Taylor is or George Floyd, Michael Brown, Eric Garner, nigga, go look it up. I'm sorry. But <laughs> but by now you should have heard these names. And it's so outrageous to me that they are not convicting the cops who killed her, who murdered her in her own home. Like, I really don't get it right now. I guess that will be how I'm feeling. Confused. Because I don't get a lot what's going on. I understand systematic um, racism. I understand all that. But I don't understand why prosecutors are not seeing the facts. And the facts are that Breonna Taylor was in her house with her boyfriend they were in the bed. These cops never announced who they were. They barged into her house. Her boyfriend, in response to them barging into the house, let off shots because he was scared for his life. And in response to the boyfriend letting off shots, they murdered Breonna Taylor. I don't get that. I really don't get that. I don't see how a prosecutor or a district attorney looks at this case and does not automatically charge these murderers. I don't get it. I don't get it either. I really don't understand. 
And it saddens me a lot. Yes, it, it does. It saddens you. And, and, and you, ultimately, you can't get bogged down on that. You want justice, but what I have found with losing loved ones, when something happens, your life does not stop. Mm-hmm. Things do not stop around you. And you got to get to the point and understand every Caucasian or every white person is not the same. Every white person is not racist. Every black person is not loud or whatever they say about us. Not, we're all not loud. We're not all have, we don't all have the attitudes. We, we're all different. We're different individuals. And treat everyone as an individual. Mm-hmm. Don't lump us all in to one type of um, uh, one type of I want to say prototype, but I don't think that's one a, type of group. One type of group. <clears throat> don't don't lump us all into one group and say, "Hey, this is what African Americans are. This is how African Americans act," and assume that's who we are as individuals. And us as African Americans, let's not lump Caucasians into one group or white people. And help treat everybody as individuals. Same for Mexicans, Asians, whatever the ethnic group is. So we can learn to treat everybody for who they are as individuals. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. Because if you are somebody and you yourself aren't racist like if you're a white person and you're not racist but you have friends and family members who are being overtly racist right in front of your face and you don't say anything to shut them down or to try to educate them then you are just as bad as them yeah that's true because you are sitting there and you are allowing the them to think like this without educating them that's true that's true and I, I've I don't know if I saw it on YouTube or what um, but I did see where I don't know what I was watching where there was um, a Caucasian gentleman that um, didn't agree with his family so he kind of distanced himself away from his family and not allow he didn't allow his kids to be around his family as well because they didn't his wife I think his wife was Caucasian as well and they just didn't believe in the type of ideas the type of mentality that his family had so they kept their kids away because they didn't want to teach their kids racist ways so I believe if you be around those type of individuals you are, and you don't believe that way, and you don't think that way, you're subject to change. You don't have to take on that mentality. Not everything that my mom said or my grandmother said, I didn't take on all of that because all of that was not me or who I was as an individual. Yeah. What are some call-to-action items you would like to see presented to the government? Wow. Um, the federal government. Federal government. Um, well, a lot of things have to take place state by state because 
um, federal government can push certain things and, and then what they'll do at the end of the clause of the bill or whatever, they'll say, um, it's up to the state to adopt it. Okay. Just like with the um, Affordable Care Act, it was up to the state to adopt it. Every state did not have to adopt that. Um, it has to be a mandate. A mandate to train the police to learn how to handle people, regardless of the race. The correct way to police people. If I'm following all your rules and I'm doing whatever you ask me to do, that doesn't require you to, um, to put uh, force on me, some type of force on me to uh, do whatever you feel like I should be doing. Um, and train them. They need to go through um, not only that type of training, but training of how to deal with our culture. Not only culture, mean uh, African Americans. They need to. If you're, if you're uh, a police officer, and let's let's just do it this way. Think about the more so uh, African American neighborhoods and um, the, where we live at. Um, they need to go into those communities, learn who are the representatives of that community. Know who, that Jomo stands on the street corner every single day and he's not bothering anybody. That's just what Jomo does. And learn that Katie walks to the store every single day because she chooses not to drive. Learn that um, John works a late night job and he always walk, He gets off the bus and walks home two or three blocks. Jomo is, uh, and Joe is not doing anything to anybody. He's just walking home late at night because he just got off a job. And learn that um, that house down the street, um, those little hardheads may hang out there, but they're not bad kids. They have good parents. I know who their parents are. So guess what? If I find out they're doing something bad, hey, um, Tom, I'm going to go down the street and tell your mom what you're doing up here. You better get it together. Uh, my, what we're going to actually, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take you down. I'm going to take you down in my car to your mom's house and let her handle you. Look, those little small things. Learning the community. Learning who's in the community. Learning who are the leaders in the community. There's always a silent leader in the community that you may not know the police officers may not know and they and they need to get to know their communities call the community get together have different community meetings uh, or walk around to the if you find out that only this part of the community came to meet and not this other part of the community go walking in the neighborhood let them see your face let them know you the police officer in this neighborhood and that you let them understand you. Because guess what? If you ever have to arrest one of them and they know who you are, they will not put up a fight. At all. At all. As long as you know your community. But I think they should take... Not even... It's not a but. It's just to go along with what you said. Um, I think they 
they should take people from the community. Like, they should have... I don't know what you would call it. I, I'm still trying to get the idea together. Recruit? Yes! They should have... Well, what would they have? They would go into the inner city, like, schools and try to recruit kids and teach them what being a police officer is about. Because if you get more kids from that community to become police officers, then you'll have better police officers who know how to police certain communities. Yeah, maybe maybe they could recruit just like um, Army and Navy coming to um, schools and recruit. And um, because a lot of the kids don't know what they're going to do after school. And that will be a great opportunity for some kids. Yeah. And also, um, you only have to have a high school diploma to become a police officer. So, you really could recruit kids straight out of high school who really, like you said, don't know what they're going to do with their life. So, currently, what is the requirement? Is it an associate degree? I think I heard. Um, it depends I'm on the state. precinct and the state. Well, but Do you know for North Carolina? I don't know for North Carolina. A lot comes up, but the most that I've seen that's consistent is a high school diploma. Um, I know there's a lot of training that goes into it, but... Um, I think it's just based on counties and cities, whether or not they want to add an associate degree or I don't know, because you have different types of police officers also. Mm-hmm. Sheriffs, um, state patrolmen, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I don't know. It's just so much going on and I think it can all be solved. And I, we talk I, about our next question. I had an opportunity to meet a um, state trooper not too long ago. Actually, my, my brother's neighbor. Um, and he's a nice guy. I, I enjoyed chatting with him. And um, he explained he once was a police officer. Now he's a state trooper. And he explained the difference and why he chose to go to a state trooper versus a police officer. Um less less things you have to deal with as a state trooper basically I mean um basically as state trooper all he's doing is dealing with folks um broke down on the side of road car accidents and stopping those that are speeding. Um as a police officer they're dealing with individuals on a daily basis from domestic violence to any type of violence from a robbery, anything like that. And that can be fearful, but it it has to be training to the point. If you're that scared on your job that you have to shoot people up and all that, then I don't think that job is for you. Um, Our next question ties into this also. How do you feel about the debate going on about abolishing the police versus defunding the police. Well, which side do you take? What side do I take? Not abolishing the police because we don't need these citizens running around here trying to do their own policing and putting folks in check. I don't need that. 
um, will turn into the purge. If you ever seen that movie, watch it one day. Um, will and no one wants that. No one wants to be to the point where we don't have police and everybody is uh, doing citizens' arrests for whatever reason they feel like they need to arrest you or put you in check. Um, defunding the police. Honestly, we had maybe you need to look at the funds that are going to the police to see if everything all the funds that are going there if they it is appropriate for where the spending is and if it's not appropriate take it out and put it somewhere else our schools need the money if they don't need the money but if it's appropriate spending appropriate funds that are being dispersed to the police department I'm all for it um, I'm with defunding the police also, um, because I believe, number one, I don't trust people. Uh, if I can barely trust the cops, how am I going to trust a regular civilian to protect me and <laughs> arrest somebody if they break into my house or try to mug me? How can I trust a civilian to do that? And how can I trust that a civilian won't try to arrest me or beat me up because they suspect I'm doing something? Like, you just can't trust people. You're talking about millions upon millions upon millions becoming police officers when we abolish the police. Because everybody will feel like they're entitled to become the police now. It'd just be outrage outrage everywhere we'll go around just killing one another and uh trying to arrest one another but you don't want to be arrested so you punch that person that's trying to arrest you it just be too much but i do think they needed to fund the police to put that money back into the communities that they that they are policing when you put that money into the community Ultimately, that will give people opportunities because what <laughs> crime is basically because of lack of opportunities. When you don't have an opportunity and you see someone else has something, you're going to want to take what they have. Now, I disagree with that because I have been in situations where I didn't have. I never, but never, you. never felt like I wanted to take something away from somebody. But that's you. In an unlawful way. Um, that's a mentality. Yes, that's, that is a mentality. And, and, and if individuals get that low to you want to take from somebody, uh, my, um, I've been there. I've been on a $9 hour job. I am taking with a child. I've done that. And working two jobs. I've done that. I've worked two jobs. Left one. I, I was working with the bank. I leave that job. Then go to UPS and work. But that's you though. Yeah, you that's me. But that's my thing. If I can do it. And I've seen many other mothers do it. 
that someone else can do it too. Yeah, but we not talking about just mothers. Like you gotta understand when you in the we don't lived in the hood before. When you in the hood, like niggas get arrested, all right, and then they go to jail, and then it's hard for them to get a job. Yeah. So when they see another nigga that got something, they going in that person's house to go get what they got, and then that person retaliates them. Then you got a you got a string of crime going on based off a lack of an opportunity. So yeah. when you defund the police and you get back into those communities and you put opportunities out there for people who have been arrested or people who don't have a high school education because everybody don't have no high school education. So when you put that money into starting trade schools in inner cities... Because Every, trade school is very important. It can teach you so much. And you can, you never know. You could start a business. You could sprout the next entrepreneur out of trade school. Someone who could have been locked up for so many years and then they get out. They didn't have any opportunities. But here was this opportunity of trade school. And they went to trade school and now they got their own business. Like, you start in so many opportunities for people who may not have had opportunities. Also, when you defund the police, that money needs to go into the education system because there is no reason why our teachers should be getting paid less than a livable wage. There is no reason for that. There is no reason for that teachers should have to buy their own school supplies. That makes no sense. These are the people who watch your kids for eight hours a day. They teach your kids. Half of them do after school at some of these schools to make a little bit more. And so you talking about up to 14 hours a day, 13, 14 hours a day that they spend with your child. They need to make more so that they can give your kids more. And also that money needs to go into more affordable housing for people there is no reason why homelessness is increasing so much well some there people, is a reason some why people gentrification say homeless and because that's what they choose yeah okay then those people can stay out on the street but some people were displaced due to gentrification so those people when you defund the police put that money into building more homeless shelters building more rehabs into these homeless shelters so these people can get clean and then you give those people an opportunity because you know why we defunded the police and now we have trade school we have hair schools that these people can go to and learn something they can start building we need more social workers so you defund the police put that money into social workers because that's another um, job where the people should not be making less than a livable wage. Social workers need to make that money because their job is so important. They are working long hours without sufficient pay. And I don't agree with that. We also need to defund the police to go into mm, inner city city councils. Because believe it or not, there are city councils, and in some inner cities, they have a small little government, too. It's like leadership. 
And those people, they need money too so they can have more resources to better their communities. We also need to defund the police for more after-school opportunities for children and for teenagers, especially teenagers. There is no reason why teenagers are getting arrested as much as they do because if you defund the police and you put that money into after-school opportunities that these teenagers actually want to do, like coding, STEM, um, gymnastics, basketball, they should have better basketball courts, tennis. There are so many things that can rise from the hood and people are, they just don't have the opportunities. And so also a form of suppression. No, not giving, giving uh, oppression, uh, not giving us uh, African-American the opportunity to go beyond their current situation. So yes, there should be more money put back into the community for different things. Will everybody take advantage of those opportunities? I mean, if you teach people, if you give somebody, if you take leaders from the community and have them over these opportunities, it doesn't, yes. it doesn't come from the leaders. Because you know what, Kerry, when I um, think of stuff like that, I think of a lot of the things start at home. Building your kids up at home. Building them to think outside of the box at home. When you do that, then guess what? Your kids will go and try to reach for the stars. Yeah, some kids try to reach for the stars and get caught up um, in the streets. In the streets. Streets. Why well, can't say that today? Because I'm sleepy. Um, but some, a lot of these things, parents, they have to start at home. Building their kids up to want more out of life. To strive for more out of life so they can take advantage of different opportunities that come available we never had the means to do everything when you were young but i always kept you in something i always told you you got to do something you cannot come home sit around and not do something you always had to do something i started you at five years actually if you want to be if you want me the if you want to really look back, um, no. And I started you getting involved probably at five years old. You did that African dance thing, you ran track, and you played basketball. It was a lot, but guess what? It kept you active, and it kept your mind stimulated. And, yeah, we lived in the hood, but guess what? The hood didn't live in us. Even though at one point in time, I did not have a car. We were right catching the bus. But guess what? I kept the mentality that I was going to get beyond this. And I worked hard to get beyond that. And if you don't, you, and, and maybe my mentality was that way because I didn't come from a hood mentality. I wasn't raised in the hood. Yeah. And <laughs> then maybe my mentality was different because of that. And I, the mentality I had, I pushed on you and pushed yours to be greater than what mine was. And that's when I say it starts at home, having a role model at home. You got to push something in your kids at home. 
you definitely got to you got to have a foundation at home and then the community can build off of that foundations leaders in the community different people to stop that knucklehead from doing things that he shouldn't do or stop that female from kicking it outside when she shouldn't even be outside because her mom at work at late at night and this small things like that but the foundation it starts at home but a lot of people don't have that foundation a lot of people did not grow up like you in the country like a lot of people they were born in the city they were born in the hood that's all they know so sometimes they don't have that foundation at home because mama might it might be a single mother but mama might have five kids and so she working three jobs to support them kids so she's not even home all the time so it ain't nothing for little Sharice to go outside and just be outside doing whatever. It ain't nothing for her brothers to be outside selling drugs too because that's all they know and they don't have that parent there. But sometimes there is somebody at school who they talk to who is like a second parent to them. Sometimes there are people like that at school, at after school, on the basketball team. But a lot of these things are not in their community sometimes. No, it's not. But a mother can always throw a little nugget into a child. And then that that teacher or whoever builds off of that nugget, that leader in the community builds off of that nugget. And that kid has that nugget sitting there. And it's kind of like a seed. The mother plants the seed. The mother could work three jobs, but she plant little small seeds as she goes in her kids. It could be five kids, but you plant a small seed. It may be just an encouraging word. Um, What was that? You are smart. You are kind. Just saying something like that from the help. Something small like that, that's a nugget. A seed that the mother has planted in this child. Yeah, the child getting distracted by the streets, but now they go to the school, and now that person is building them up in the school building, watering that seed that that mama already planted. And now they go in the community, Mr. John sitting on the stoop, watering that seed that has already been planted in the child. Even though the mama out working, but when she's around the kids, she is currently, she's planting seeds every time she's at home around them. You just spit on my mic. <laughs> oh my God. But we're going to have to agree to disagree because this is, this interview is starting to get a little lengthy and I still have my K moment to do and my quote of the episode. Well, maybe I need to do a mom moment. No, you don't. You don't get a moment. I get a moment. This is about me. It's all about me on my podcast. But we're going to wrap this up. Are you hopeful for the future? Yeah, I'm I'm always hopeful for the future. I know um, the future is bright. And you know, as our bishop says, I see myself in the future. And things are looking a whole lot better. No, it's I see myself in the future, and I like what I said. See, well, I, the I part. see myself in the self in the future, and things are looking a whole, whole lot, lot better. better. Now, touch somebody. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my gosh. And and that's all you gotta do. You you gotta hope for the best in the future. You always gotta see good in every situation and everything that in life because you know what, we can't walk around this world looking fear being fearful, mm-hmm. scared every step we make. We just can't live like that as individuals. How will we move forward in life and accomplish the things that God has for us? So we got to keep going and just believe that um, the Lord will continue to cover us and keep us as we go to and from and will continue to make ways out of no ways for us. And that's basically how where my hope comes from. Ah, I feel that. <laughs> like, I, I'm hopeful for the future. I know we have darker days ahead because... Um, currently the cases of COVID-19 are spiking again. So, you know, they might lock us down again. So we have darker days ahead, but I believe there's a light at the end of the tunnel. The tunnel's just a little long and we got to walk in that darkness for a second. And then we're going to get to that light and everything going to be semi back to normal because I don't think we'll ever be back to normal after coronavirus. I think mask and social distancing will be a part of our normal lives going forward. So, I don't know. I am hopeful though. I just think we have to get through this tunnel. The tunnel is kind of long. We got to get through it and then we're going to get to that light. And that's how you see what it is in front of you. Is it an opportunity to do more? Is it an opportunity for you to um, promote change? Is it an opportunity for you to stand up and be a leader? Find out what this moment is for you and what God is saying to you and what you need to do in this moment. Is it for you to stay safe? Is it for you to start Search researching a new career. What is it for you that you need to change? What you need to do in this time? Is it for you to help others, educate others? What is it for you? Do you have anything else you want to say to the people or to me? Well, I for the people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? Um, honestly. Um, always have hope never get to a point where you never have hope um my hope comes from the lord jesus christ and so much has occurred in my life i have went through so many things and i have been a single parent and i i'll say to anybody if i could do it and that anybody can do it. I know I only had one child. I didn't have more than one. And I never compromised. This My daughter is the fruit of my labor. I never compromised myself. And I did what was right. A lot of people said, well, um, my family called me in it. And then you need to live. You can't just live for career. Well, you know what? I Terria never asked to come here. She never asked to come here. It was between her father and I that we chose to bring her here. And as a result, it became ultimately my responsibility to 
help her become a better person than what I was. And I always told her that. I always told her to be better than what I am. Um, because that that starts a new generation. That that starts that's what we supposed to do. I supposed to be better than my mom. My daughter's supposed to be better than me. It's it we build off generation and generation and generation we get better and better as individuals. And I firmly believe in that as far as you, Karia. I pray that God continues to bless you and God bless this podcast. And I say it to you listeners, those who are listening, send it out to your friends. If you hear something or um, have ideas, hit up on social media. Hit up somewhere. I mean, this she's just starting and she's trying to get a uh, understanding of everything, how she wants to do it. But guess what? I'm I'm believing and I know my daughter is going to prosper in this world and she's going to accomplish much much um and I believe in what everything she does and what she's doing. I may not agree with everything but <laughs> I, I I stand by and, and I walk through the trenches with her. So and we're firm believers in Lord Jesus Christ. And <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> and, Why did um, you keep saying Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> oh my God. He is the foundation of our life. And I concluded there, unless you want me to pray or something. Oh no, I don't want you to pray. <laughs> Gosh, we haven't got there yet. Calm down. <laughs> but, um,. I want to thank you for being on the show. You're welcome. Um, got a little heated there for a moment. But, I mean, that's just how our conversations go. We Sometimes we share the same opinion, but other times we have a difference in opinions. We educate each other about things that are going on in this world. Um, but, yeah, now it's time for you to go. And it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> Peace in the Middle East. Oh, God. <laughs> Get off my podcast. Up next, I'll give my K moment and the quote of the episode. This is Conversations with K, the podcast.